Welcome to The Geek in Review, the podcast focused on innovative and creative ideas in the legal industry. I'm Marlene Gaybauer. And I'm Greg Lambert. So Marlene, I know that I, for one, am very excited with the uh, World Series starting this week and our uh, own hometown Houston Astros are back in for the uh, third time in five years. So I'm excited, but I know uh, that, that again, we will be the villains this time. And so, uh, but you know, hey, I'm still going to root for the home team. You know, I'm so glad that we're actually playing the Braves because I was really worried that the that the Dodgers were going to win their series and that it was going to be just just all about the ugly. Yeah. And I'm hoping that we can kind of get past that and just let it be about the game. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe maybe someday, maybe someday. Not not <laughs> not not today, but uh, eventually. So. Uh, speaking of uh, coming back to the plate, so we have Molly Huey, uh, the team lead data analyst and surveys for Bloomberg Law, back with us to uh, get us up to date on the Bloomberg Law DEI framework. So, Molly, welcome back to the Geek and Review. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be talking to you all. We had you on back in the spring. So while we'd love for our listeners to go back and re-listen to episode 117, how about you give us a short recap of what Bloomberg Law is doing with the DEI framework? Sure thing. Our framework is is a project that we set about about a year and a half ago to start standardizing law firm diversity metrics reporting. And we took it on because what we were hearing from clients and around the legal industry was that firms were employing one, two, sometimes three full-time people just to fill out supplier diversity reports in their RFP process. And on the corporation side, they were giving out these surveys, collecting all this data, and then didn't know what to do with it. So we decided to make a comprehensive questionnaire. We'd give it to law firms. We'd verify the results. And we'd come up with a list of firms that meet or exceed industry standards for DEI. And this hopefully will help streamline reporting for law firms, but also give in-house counsel a place to start. So we don't want to supplant their own research into what firm they want to use, but if if they're looking for firms that would meet their own supplier diversity goals, start yeah. here. It, it'd be good to have some st- some standards around the, uh, the, the diversity surveys that, that come mm-hmm. in. Uh, as uh, Again, mm-hmm. I think I mentioned this before, but as the uh, uh, the department that deals with our RFPs, I know that there there are a lot of them, and they all are slightly different. So it, it takes time and and people hours to to get those. So any anything you can do to standardize that is is great. So well, let's let's talk about the uh, this year's survey, which which was the uh, inaugural survey. What kind of response rate did you have, and and what kind of feedback are you, are you getting on the survey itself? Well, in in terms of response rate, we had over 30 firms participate this year, which is stellar for an inaugural year. I mean, it's a really comprehensive and, you know, huge survey to fill out. So the fact that they took the time, they did it, they they participated in the first year, not knowing if it was going to take off or be a flop. So I'm really excited with the responses that we got. Um, In terms of feedback on the survey itself, most people were really impressed at how comprehensive it was because we asked not only the standard metrics, you know, how many people do you have that fit in each of these boxes, but also a lot of things about policies and procedures. So do they offer flex time and what kind of insurance and benefits and, you know, general things they have in place to support people throughout their career? And we've found that's really important in retention and promotion of diverse attorneys. So, so we ask about it. I know that this was the first year, but how are firms actually doing 
Well, the ones that we had in this year are doing quite well. And I think part of that is an artifact of the people that are going to be the early adopters generally think they're doing well, so they go ahead and do it. Um, if it, The full report that we have that's aggregated from all our data is available on our project site, pro.bloomberglaw.com slash DEI. And you can see that most of the firms hover about industry averages in terms of what the American Bar Association or National Association of Law Placement, NALPS, um, full industry data. So pretty good, I would say, generally. So this is, uh, we, we were talking before we started recording at, uh, the, these are the uh, Lake Wobegon uh, firms where everyone is above yes, average. Is that, is that? <laughs> pretty much. For the most part, yes. So interesting that, that you know, again, the, the firm seems to be doing well for, for the inaugural survey. So that leads me to ask, you know, were the questions asked the right ones? Um, you know, on the last podcast, Greg noted that some of the questions revolved around data that firms might not be collecting. Did that actually happen? We did see some questions go unanswered, and but it wasn't the same question across all firms. So what we did, part of the scoring component is what we call a disclosure score. So firms basically just got points toward that portion of their score if they answered the question at all. And most of them got, you know, 80 to 90 percent disclosure scores. So, you know, they lose out a little bit just for not answering something. But if they're not collecting it, eh. And disclosure it makes up 10% of the total DEI score at the end. So just giving us that data gives them a little bit of a boost. And what about, uh, you know, how have the firms or even the legal departments out there reacted to the results? So far, so good. Um, the feedback that I've heard was that, you know, again, people were surprised and impressed that it was such a comprehensive survey, but also even the firms that I notified that didn't make the listing this year were thankful for the process and said, hey, we're looking forward to doing better next year. So I'm really hoping this catches on and, and picks up steam. Yeah. And you, you keep saying uh, comprehensive. I, I just want to, I think I remember there were like over 80 questions. Is that right? Yeah. Um, 85 metrics across 90 something questions. Yeah. Quite yeah, a lot. that's. A, I think we referred to it as a as a thick survey the last time. So. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a bit of a beast. It's a bit of a beast. And again, Greg, before we started recording, we were talking about how long it takes people to do this, and it it really depends on what other surveys they've filled out before. And if if folks have done ABA's model diversity survey, we structured a lot of our demographic questions the same way. So a lot of firms already had those data cuts and the rest of them are are more, you know, check which policies you have. And, it, and it's quite a bit easier once they get past that giant hurdle of how many people do you have that fit in each of these categories. And, and getting into the survey itself, you know, what was the breakdown of who met the standard? So what we did in scoring was we looked for all the demographic categories, you know, the how many people do you have that fit in these categories. We looked mostly at NALP's state of the industry report, and we compared percentages across partners, associates, and counsel for various demographic groups. And we gave firms a point if they exceeded the industry average. So, you know, and that counted for 20% of their overall score. But then we looked at things like retention and promotion, and we compared, say, their promotional class for the year, the demographics of that class compared to 
the demographics of their overall associate class and said, okay, are they promoting just the white males or is their promotion class basically similar to their associate class? And that weighed more heavily into their score than the general demographics of their firm. So if you're looking at people that met the standard, what they're doing is they're able to attract a more diverse associate class and then promote accordingly, retain and promote accordingly. What, what about on the flip side? Were you seeing any kind of themes or commonalities on for those that may not have been above average? Because again, to, in order to get the score, you had to be above average. Um, and mm-hmm. so uh, any commonalities that, that you were seeing for those that were, say, just average? You know, some of it was in lack of having various policies and procedures. And what I know is going to come back on us in this is that it's much easier for bigger firms and bigger organizations to implement broader leave policies or or any of these things than it is for a really small firm. So that's the kind of things we're seeing. If you didn't quite make the list, then maybe you don't have as many of those policies and procedures, DEI favoring policies and procedures in place. Yeah, but they... The, the people that were answer the firms that were answering it should be clued in on that for the next time around? Is that? They will be if they listen to the episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So like in our earlier episode, you know, you mentioned getting neurodiversity questions on the next survey. So has, has that happened? It's on my list for inclusion next year. And I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, it's something that I had added in the first draft, and then a couple people said, "Ah, I don't know if people are measuring this, or we're not quite sure what this is, so let's take it out. And then I see a giant report come out, and I'm not remembering who put a report out. But, hey, look at neurodiversity in the legal industry. And somebody came back and said, you should have kept your question in. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're, we're actually interviewing a neurodiverse uh, lawyer uh, in in a couple of days, so uh, she'll be talking about that. That's great. You know, when you talk to us in the spring, you mentioned that you you want this framework to create a standard for clients to use for their evaluation of for outside counsel. You know, for the firms that who did contribute this time around, is this something now that they can show those uh, show their clients uh, on their DEI status? Absolutely. So firms that made the framework, we're calling the member firms, they received a press kit that they get. Our seal of approval, it's it's a black and teal seal that says Bloomberg Law DEI Framework 2021. So they can put that on their website, on their social, on their RFPs. We also gave every firm a, a one-page snapshot. So whether or not they made the listing, they get the snapshot, and it shows their disclosure score along with the six main pillar scores, like the, the different categories of the survey. And it showed what their score was for that section along with the average for the section of all firms who submitted data. So they have that one-page report, and they are welcome to include that as part of an RFP process. We can also give everybody a PDF of the actual data they submitted, um, and they can turn that in as well. It's their data. They're welcome to use it however they like. Is Bloomberg kind of um, leveraging its relationship with some of the larger clients out there to, to encourage them? to mm-hmm. use this rather than create a, you know, their their own standards that they use? I'm not sure if they're asking the other corporations to include other standards, but what I know we have worked with them that they pushed this out to the outside council that they work with and said, "Hey, you work with 
Bloomberg LP as a client, we'd really like your participation in this. So they're they're looking at using this listing as as their own starting place when picking outside counsel. Yeah. Well, that you may have answered this, but let me let me let me just ask it point blank. Sure. Um, when Bloomberg looks for outside counsel, are you going to use this? <laughs> Hope so. <laughs> may, may, may have to twist some arms internally as, as well yeah. as externally. <laughs> so what's next on the horizon for the DEI framework and other B-Law surveys? So we're hoping to get the 2022 version out a little bit earlier next year. You know, now that we've crossed the hump of releasing the list this year, my team's going to go back and you know, make any tweaks to the actual survey instrument, re, you know, get the, get the data collection portal, the online data entry ready for next year and hopefully open it up in mid Q1. And then, you know, this year we gave firms about five months to gather all their data because nobody had seen this survey yet. Now it's been out there in the world. We'll give them a little less time, close data collection in, in Q2 and hopefully release the list in Q3 next year. Um, as far as other BLAS surveys, we have one more slated on our program this year. We are going to do something else I've never seen anybody do before, and that's survey law students, faculty, and early career associates all kind of together and look at how law school is preparing early career attorneys for practice. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I hope so. I'm that really excited about it. It will be very interesting. We have so many people that we, you know, we've talked to on the podcast about, like, you know, how we can you know, what innovation that's happening in, in law in law schools mm -hmm. and, you know, how we can improve the training in law schools and the teaching in law schools. So uh, that I think will be a very, very interesting one. Yeah. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. We're hoping to field that kind of between the Thanksgiving and year-end holidays. So uh, are there any, well, one, are, are there any specific questions that you think definitely will get added in uh, next year and maybe even some that you might take out? Um, I definitely want to add something for neurodiversity, even if it's as simple as do you track this? You know, I'm not sure people are yet ready to fill in metrics of how many people they have that fall into that category, but just is it something they're tracking? I would also love to really nail down a little bit more on origination credit. And that's so hard to do at a firm level, but that's what I've heard a lot of in-house counsel wanting. They want to know both who's staffing their projects and you know, who's getting the credit, who's getting paid. Um, and so we have a couple of questions in there now that are a little bit of a proxy, almost like you know, if you're doing these things, you're probably on the right track, but it's not close enough that we can really make that leap. So I would love to get to the point where we can say, how are you doing this? And one other thing that you mentioned in in May when you were here was that you want to track this over t over time. So as firms mm -hmm. take the survey multiple times, that you give them kind of a tracking score. Is is that still on the agenda? Yes, I would love to build in a progress metric so that you know the firms that are already doing really really well, they have a little room to improve, sure. But the other firms that have giant leaps, they still need to take. I want to give them credit for that. We haven't figured out quite how to do it yet, but we want to. Do you also have any plans, uh, you know, in terms of how to track how in-house are actually using this and, and, you know, what benefit they got out of it, what decisions they made based on it? Well, I have a couple of people in various general counsel's office that, you know, have been in my corner as we develop and score and all of these things. So I've been checking in with them and hopefully as this list is out, 
they'll see some value in it this year and, and hopefully give a little feedback for how we can make it even more valuable to them in years to come. All right. Well, Molly Huey uh, from uh, Bloomberg Law, I want to thank you for coming back to talk about the DEI framework and the results from the inaugural survey. Uh, before we go, can you tell us, uh, everyone, where we can find the results? And I'll, I'll also make sure we put that on the on the show notes. Fantastic. Um, you can go to our project website. It's pro.bloomberglaw.com backslash DEI. Everything there is free, publicly available. You do not need a Bloomberg Law subscription to access any of that content. Excellent. Well, thank, thanks again, Molly. Thank you. Thank you so much. So it was good having Molly come back in. It's, you know, it's nice to be able to close the loop on, on some of these things, especially when it's, when it's a new survey out on the market. And I know I'd asked her back in May if this was just going to be another ranking system and it's not you're either in or you're not. And so I, I like I kind of like that a little better because this is an issue that although you, you want to compete, you want to just show that you are doing well uh, in this. Um, so uh, it, was, it was great mm-hmm. to having her back in. Yeah, there's there's a little there's a little sort of competitive pressure there, um, you know, to basically show, hey, you know, we're we're doing well, and and I like that we were able to have her back, and we're sort of able to see where it's going, because you know, oftentimes, you know, we interview a lot of people, and they're doing great stuff, and we always we don't always have the opportunity to sort of follow up and say, okay, you know, where are they yeah. now? And it's nice that we were able to do that, and that you know, she's basically looking at it the same way. She's saying, okay. We're starting here, but we want to track this over time and see where it goes. Yeah. Yep. So, well, it was uh, good again to have Molly Huey from Bloomberg back on the show. And again, we'll put a link in the show notes so that you can download the results of the survey. So thanks to all of you for taking the time to listen to the Geek and Review podcast. If you enjoy the show, share it with a colleague. We'd love to hear from you. So reach out to us on social media. I can be found at M on Twitter. And I can be reached at Glambert on Twitter as well. Or you can leave us a voicemail on the Geek and Review hotline at 713-487-7270. And as always, the music you hear is from Jerry David DeSicca. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. All right, Marlene. And for those that couldn't tell, you're on the road. So drive, <laughs> drive carefully. We'll see if anybody notices. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Hey!